Well, good morning. My name's Alid and I'm one of the members here at King's Church. I'm part of the leadership team uh, and it's a real privilege to be <coughs> continuing our series called Origins. Uh, and our hope is that by uh, looking at the first few chapters of uh, the Bible in Genesis, um, we will see how the beginning of God's story and the way in which we were made plays a big part, actually, in the way we find fulfillment and purpose in life. Um, many of the questions or many of the answers we're looking for can be found if only we just look at the beginning of the story. It would really help. And today we're going to be looking at the whole area of rest, uh, but more specifically the Sabbath, uh, which is a word you may or may not be familiar with. But I hope that over the next 20 minutes or so, this passage will really help us to understand why, if we're honest, rest can sometimes be quite difficult for us, uh, but also how and why we should take God's uh, instruction to rest more seriously and what effect that could have on our lives. So let's get to Genesis chapter 2. Uh, the words will come up for you. And to give you some context, uh, God has just created the whole world, including the trees and the sea and the desert and the mountaintops, the rivers. And once he's formed them, he's gone on to fill them with the fish and the birds and the livestock and all the other animals from the tiniest little bug to the biggest whale. And although that was all good, we see that it was all as a, a kind of a crescendo to the pinnacle of God's creation. And that was you and me. He made people and placed them in the garden and we pick up the story in chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 3. So let's just read it together. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay, so here we have the omnipotent, all-powerful creator, God, working for six days, and then on day seven, ceasing from his work and resting, okay? Resting. So this morning, I want to cover this passage with three headings. Um, what? What is happening here? Why is it important? But also, why maybe is it quite difficult for us, if we're honest, to do this? And then lastly, how? How could we outwork this within our lives. So that's where we're going. I'm aware it's a lot to do in just 20 minutes. All right, so let's just dive straight in with what Sabbath is and where it comes from. Okay, what? And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested. On the seventh day, from all his work that he had done, he rested. So we get to day seven and it uses this word rested twice in relation to God ceasing from his work okay now this is interesting because we know from psalm 121 that god doesn't slumber or sleep like we do we know that from isaiah that he doesn't grow weary and tired like we do jesus says in john 5 that god is continually working right even up to this day so when we see the word rested we need to understand that god is not resting out of weariness or tiredness nor does it mean that he's just not doing anything at all there is so much more about this principle of rest than simply recovery for our tired bodies and our tired minds. God is modelling for us what healthy living looks like and we see how he's even written into the very fabric, if you like, of our lives and design. From the outset, God is modelling something for us and leads by example. What we see here within Genesis 2 is that God ceases from his creative work and then enters into a season of rest and enjoyment of all that he's made. 
That's what the Jewish word Shabbat means, right? It, it means not just to rest, but it means to delight in. And just notice how, um, you know, in every day, day one to six, there is this morning and evening each day. But the author intentionally doesn't state that for day seven. There is this sense that God has moved in to, from his creative work and into a day seven, which actually doesn't end. God is still delighting in what he's made. He's still enjoying and taking pleasure in the creation he has made. And we see how God's intention was that you and I were to join him in the rest and enjoyment of creation with himself. That's why we were made. And just think about that for a moment. God delights not only in the rest of creation, but he delights in you and me. And unlike the many religions and gods of our day, and even in Moses' day, right, who's the guy who's writing this, God doesn't create us in order to work on his behalf so he can rest. No, he does all of the work in creation and then invites us to join him in his rest and in his pleasure of all he has made. Now, there are two other words that are quite significant within this passage that if if we're not careful, we can miss them. So let's just see if we read it through again, see if you can spot them. It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. So here we have two words which carry significant weight. Firstly, God has pronounced a blessing on the seventh day, which results in a blessing to those who allow themselves to join with God in the rest and enjoyment of creation. To cease from our work, God says, if you do it, I will bless you. All right, Westerman, a um, theologian, says this. He says, God's blessing bestows on this special, holy, solemn day a power which makes it fruitful for human existence. The blessing gives the day, which is a day of rest, the power to stimulate, animate, enrich, and give fullness of life. Back in chapter 1, we see how God uh, blesses the animals. I think it's in verse, uh, verse 22, I think it is. He talks about them being fruitful. He then blesses mankind. He says, be fruitful, multiply. But now he blesses the rest that is given in chapter 2. And I, we need to understand that God's blessing is related to fruitfulness and his life-giving. All right. In other words, contrary to popular belief that doing nothing produces nothing, God says actually no, stopping and resting and enjoying produces much blessing. So there's that blessing. But secondly, God also makes it holy, right? Now this, this is fascinating to me, right? It's the first thing to my knowledge in the Bible that God hallows, all right? We see through the, uh, through the, through, through the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, these places, it's almost like God's uh, you know, that he makes them holy, whether it's, um, you know, Moses standing on holy ground or the tabernacle or the holy of holies, right, in the temple, all representing a place where God dwells in his presence and brings a blessing. And isn't it interesting, the first thing God makes holy, the first thing God sets apart for himself, it's not a place or a person or a ritual or an altar, but a period of time. Now, have you ever thought about that? God really cares about our time. God says that this time, God says this time, 
this pattern of rest and enjoyment of creation with him, it's holy. In other words, it's set apart for him. And it comes with a blessing when you do it. These are, these are no small things, right? God has called the Sabbath, those moments of rest and pleasure in God, as holy moments that carry a blessing. And let's just make it clear, right? We're not talking about um, like annual holidays, all right? Or those kind of long breaks where we feel that we can just get above the water to breathe for a bit. God is talking about regular times, even weekly, right? Times where we would allow ourselves uh, the time to remind ourselves of God's finished work and not our own unfinished business. Now, often the question people ask at this point is, do I have to keep the Sabbath? Isn't this just an Old Testament thing? And um, you know what? I don't really know. But what I do know, I think they're just the wrong questions to ask. I, I think the question is, do you want to receive the blessing that God has clearly promised when we allow ourselves the space and the freedom to put down our tools and pick up his word? To, to set aside our to-do lists and remind ourselves of our thankfulness. And, and God promises a blessing when we do it. So the question is maybe more, why, why is it so difficult for us to do? What is it that's stopping us from doing it more often? What is it that's really going on here? And so that's what... Um, that's what we're just going to look at now. We're just going to have a look at why is this so difficult for us? And I think the primary reason when answering the question of why rest and Sabbath can sometimes be so difficult is ultimately sin. Ultimately sin. Think about it this way. If blessing and holiness is what God promises over those who rest with him, the result of sin and removal from his presence and blessing has been a deep-rooted sense of restlessness. Restlessness. It's what St. Augustine um, was describing when he said this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And I think it's probably one of the best words to describe the hectic activity of our everyday lives and the society in which we live, isn't it? Don't you think? Restless. There's always more. Always faster, always quicker, always better. And the treadmill of our Western lives is on an ever-increasing pace, which is going ever further away from God's design for us to find the fulfillment and blessing of God. If only we slowed down and got off the treadmill of life every now and again to enjoy him. And we'll see in a moment how true rest can only be found in God and ultimately Jesus. But before we go there, I, I do just want us to understand the effect that our sin has had on our restlessness and, our, and why Sabbath and rest has become so difficult for us. And I'm sure there are lots of effects, but because of uh, time, I'm just going to highlight three uh, and they are control, identity, and achievement. These are just the first three that came to mind as I was preparing. All right, I'm sure there are many more. So control, number one. We live in a culture 
that states that we have the power and ability to control our own lives and destiny. Our week starts often on a Monday morning as we prepare to nail a hard week of work and toil, regardless of whether that is uh, in an office. Uh, Maybe for you it's as a stay-at-home parent, um, or maybe it's in study, in school or college. But often if we said, when does the week start? We'd say it's Monday morning when we're starting to go to work. And whilst work is good and God encourages us to work hard, By placing work at the beginning of our day and at the beginning of our week, it becomes the central activity of our lives and the focus of our performance and reliance and our output. We too quickly forget that we are simply a single instruments, if you like, in a greater orchestra of life playing to God's symphony by his sovereignty and his power. Instead of recognizing the smallness of ourselves and our dependency on our creator, we have actually elevated ourselves and our work to the point where without it, we can, if we're honest, feel somewhat insecure, worthless, maybe weak, inadequate, without purpose, and not in control. And this is the first problem with our restlessness, but it's also, I think, the first remedy of the Sabbath, of rest. Because Sabbath enables us to relinquish control and to trust in God. Or to put it like uh, Ken uh, Ken Hughes, he says this, Trust in him is what gives rest to our souls. True faith is belief plus trust. Interestingly for for the Jews, each day didn't start with the morning's work. Each day began actually in the evening, which meant it started with rest and trusting in God. They were going to sleep. Phil Moore says this. He says, by the time a man or woman put their hand to any labor, God had already worked a 12-hour shift. Hey, listen, this is very different to the way that most of us think and behave. How, How often has the sinful desire to take control of our lives robbed us of the joy of relinquishing that control in order to trust in God? even in our sleep and our rest, that he can bring about a blessing, not because of our hard work, but because of his word. The second and the the third causes of restlessness I've just written here is identity and achievement. And you see, the the problem with identity is that uh, it always has to be maintained and sustained by someone. Always. And the problem with sin is that it has removed our true identity as sons and daughters of God and given us the lie that we can create for ourselves any number of identities that that we want. If only we work hard enough. With sin, we get to play God. But here lies the problem. If you base your identity on something other than being a dependent child of God, the strength of that identity will be wholly based on your ability to sustain it. So if you base your identity on your achievement, on your accolades, maybe your hard work, or surprise, surprise, you won't find time for resting in God because your identity is placed on the value of your work and not based on God's word, his presence and his promises. You see, rest is really belittled in our culture. Busyness is carried as a badge of honor, all right? And I, too, can be a victim of these wrong identities and ideas, all right? Oh, man, how busy I can be. 
We can all fall for the lie that fulfillment can be found in our own achievements. Uh, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard and even actually celebrate when we do things really well. But if your identity, if your value, if your worth is based on what you do, then you have failed to understand not only actually the principle of Sabbath, but the very pinnacle of the gospel. The world says that all we need is more of what we've already got. But the Bible says that that is a completely sinful way of thinking, that, which actually will lead to all kinds of restlessness and hardship. The Bible clearly says that no amount of work or our influence or our accolades or our position or our titles or our identities will ever bring us to a place of rest and blessing. But this is the good news of Jesus. That we are not a product of what we do or go through, but a product of what he did and what he went through. When we enter into a relationship with the Father and we walk in line with our identity as a child of God, we no longer need to strive to be a somebody. God's made us a somebody and from that place he promises a rest and a blessing which we could never have found without him. Just like Genesis in days one to six, Jesus has done all of the work of salvation. So we can just turn up on day seven and receive an invitation to come as you are and enjoy the rest and the blessing of being with him. You cannot and you will not find that in your workplace or in your CV, right? They won't teach that to you at school. They'll just say, must try harder. But it doesn't matter how hard you try unless it truly believe in the words of Jesus. It is finished. You know, this rest motif, if you like, becomes the model for the eternal rest that we have through salvation. Sabbath reminds us that salvation and eternity with him is secure because of what he did and not what we do. Again, Phil Moore says this, he says, God's day off in creation week was his first gospel sermon that heaven is a grace gift from him and not the fruit of our human works. He goes on and says, the Lord knew that enough was enough when it was time to resist the tyranny of to-do lists the workaholic can't do this because they believe deep down that it all begins with themselves. And do you know, we are all at risk of living lives that go at such a pace that we forget that the world doesn't revolve around us. And I think that's just some of the why. Why it's so important to establish a Sabbath, a time of rest and enjoyment of God. Because I think it tackles the very reasons we find it difficult to trust in his ability to control and provide, to remind us that our identity is in him and him alone, and that we are a product not of what we do, but because of what he did in days one to six, when we were unable to do anything for ourselves. Our willingness and ability to stop from our work is a declaration that our trust is in God, the one who is able to provide, sustain and maintain as just from his words, from his mouth. Just a word from his mouth. 
It declares that our identity in him is more important than any other title or position or work or identity. In Matthew 11, um, 28, Jesus talks about this and he says this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know, in order for us to enter into rest, we, we need to put not only our trust in Jesus, but we need to take his yoke and allow him to bring the direction and the pace to which we walk this life. The, the Sabbath rest that we find in Genesis is like a foretelling of the rest that Jesus promises here in Matthew 11 which again is actually a foretelling, a foretaste of the eternal rest that one day we will enter into when Jesus comes back again. Whenever we rest, I want you to understand, whenever you have a Sabbath, whenever you pause and stop, we allow ourselves a taster of what it will be like to enter into the eternal rest that God has promised through Jesus. And no one and nothing else will ever offer us that. It's only in him. It's only in Jesus. And so to finish, I just wanted to share just a little bit about the how. How do we allow ourselves to enjoy the day, the rest of day seven, to enjoy the walk and the rest that Jesus promises? And I think the first thing is that we really need to listen less to the world and more to God. We need to walk deeper into the freedom and truth of our identity in Christ and our position in him and not let the world dictate what is important or set the pace of it. That's Jesus' job, to set the pace of life. The second thing I'd say is that you need to find what works for you. Find what works for you when it comes to finding space and rest and time to enjoy God. I'm aware that there will be many different um, walks of life uh, represented in those that are listening, right? Some of you are single parents who can barely find that you get time to breathe, let alone rest. Others of you may be single, may have a bit more time. Maybe you're retired or lead a big organization or business. I don't know. But let me just share with you maybe just a few how not to do it and then give you a few ideas on what it could look like based on what we do personally as a family, hopefully um, you'll find it helpful. Um, the first thing I'll say is that rest is often binged. Um, we don't often live sustainable lives of work and rest. And, you know, you could tell actually if this is yourself by <laughs> how it feels when you get to a point of a break, like a holiday. Often it becomes like a bit of an escape from a rather inescapable life, you're exhausted and desperately in need of rest. That's not the way to live sustainably, and it shows that you're not finding regular places of rest in God. That's the first thing. The second thing I'd say is that there's a difference between resting from work and resting in God. All right, there's a difference. Ultimately, we find our rest in Him and in the enjoyment of what He's made rather than just having, I don't know, a massive Netflix binge. All right, I'm not saying that's. That's wrong, but Netflix won't refuel your soul or, f or fill your needs of your heart. And the, and the third thing I'll just say is that 
I and this is this is where probably I fall more than any other time. This is more of a word of warning, really. Often we categorise work into different boxes and we see a day off as an opportunity to open another work box. Right, whether that be housework, sorting out the attic, building a fence, and sometimes I think they can be really good ways, actually, to relax and unwind. But just be careful that you're not mistaking rest and enjoyment in God for the satisfaction of yet more work, but just in a different format. All right, so I, I don't know. Hopefully this is helpful, right? But I'll just say what Sabbath looks like for us as a family in the Cousins Clan, right? As a family, we, we have a Sabbath between um, a Friday and a Saturday evening. Um, we found it helpful to turn our phones off. We put them away in a box. Uh, the kids get the TV remotes and they put them in a box. Um, so they know, the children know that we are going to be tech-free for the day, um, it means they know that parents are going to, mum and dad aren't going to be distracted by messages and social media and all that kind of stuff. We often eat something special together. We light a candle. We try to pray together as a family just to mark the occasion. We often play games, read books, go for walks. Um, sometimes I even meet with friends or go for a cycle or a swim. But generally it's a family day of rest where we enjoy time with God and one another and do something special together. That's all it is for us. And since the kids got healed from their dairy intolerance, um, ice cream seems to be a family favourite, so often features in there somewhere. But it also means that we've had to be quite intentional with our time on our jobs. We've actually had to schedule in um, the work that we need to do, the jobs that we need to do, so that, you know, Friday normally is my day off. So just for an example, often I'll try and clean the house as best as I can, get things ready for the Sabbath. Lou, again, if she's at home, she'll try and get things done so that we don't have those things to do during our day off as a family. We're, we're not legalistic about it. There have been times where we've just had to be contactable, so the phones are there, or I've even had to work. But what we found is that the more you practice it, the more you get into the habit and the rhythm, the more it's become a real blessing to us individually, but also as a family, all right? For the past 15 months or so, we've really been actively pursuing Sabbath and rest in a way that we probably didn't do for the first 13 years of our marriage, um, if I'm honest. But one book that um, I just, in the, last, um, in the last couple of years, that has really helped us is this one by John Mark Comeris, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's challenging, it's helpful, and also very practical. But I'd encourage you, maybe start there if you need some um, ideas uh, and a bit of a guide there. So that's me done, um, but I want to leave you just three questions to think about um, throughout this week, all right? So maybe um, you just want to jot them down in a minute when they come up, or maybe you just want to get your, your phone out and just take a photo of them uh, off the screen as I just read out these three questions um, before Paul and Ross just finishes up the meeting, maybe pray. Okay, first question is this. Do I have a healthy balance of work and rest in my life? Second question, where may I find rest difficult and why? And lastly, what am I going to do about it? There are just three questions there that maybe just take a, a few moments for you to just ponder on and think about this week. And ask God, just pray and ask him, would you come and just speak to me about where maybe I've got unhealthy habits, maybe wrong identities, wrong ideologies and thoughts and ideas, and help me to enjoy you and to walk in step with the Spirit 
and your pace of life. You can pray and ask God for those things. Hope it challenged you. Hope it encourages you. Enjoy your Sabbaths. God bless you.